Okay, this right here is the study that we're going to go over tonight. Uh, the Word of God study. And here's what I want to really stress to us. It's not about the Scripture. So even tonight as I'm talking to you, I don't want you to focus simply on these are the Scriptures that we're going over. What I want to teach you, what I want to help you to understand, what I want to kind of imitate for you is how to build a relationship and win somebody to Christ. Because we can have scriptures, anybody can read scriptures, but there's still more than just reading the scriptures. That's the power, the scriptures. But you know, honestly, sometimes people need a relationship to help them through the tough times. So this is more of what I want us to focus on. So as we're going through, I'm not just going to do this. I, I want to have a personal example. Uh, so, I'm going to study with you today. You can sit right there where you are, but we're going to have a personal Bible study on the Word of God. So you guys can see what I'm talking about. Uh, if you guys, anybody need extra or need one, please feel free to come on up and get it. Don't just sit in the back and wait. Now, I want to go over this with you here. This is for you, so write notes on it, do whatever. But I'm going to have copies this Sunday without the top parts. And uh, what I mean by that, without where it says purpose, beginning, share, keys, I'm going to have a copy of this that doesn't have that. That way you can use that as you study with your friends. This one is just for you tonight, to write on or do whatever. But what I like to do is when I'm studying with somebody, is uh, so no, I'm going to study with Scott. You're off the hook for right now. So let's say, <laughs> let's say I'm studying with Scott. And I'm going to say, Scott, this is what we're going to study right here. And when I'm done, I'm going to give this to you because I want you to review it. And so when I'm done with the study, I say, here you go. Go over this before our next study starts. So that's how we study with it. I don't need somebody to write notes because sometimes you got like doctors handwriting and you can't understand what those notes are anyway. We're talking about somebody's salvation. We need to make it pretty clear to them Amen. what the word says. So I just give it to them when we're all done. So that's what I'll have for you Sunday. I would have had it tonight, but as I went to Kinko's, this was like 50 bucks for just these copies. I'm like, whoa, we're going to figure out another way to do this. So, um, yeah, we, we, I got another way out. But the purpose of this study is to help your friend develop deep conviction that the Bible is from God and that it should be the standard of our lives. That's why we're studying the Word of God. It's not just a, a, a freebie study or a meaningless study. We're trying to help people understand we need to have conviction on the Bible and that this needs to be the standard of our lives. Now, what I'd like to do is when I sit down with Scott, Scott, you know, when I was growing up, I really didn't go to church. This is honest and true. I didn't go to church a lot. I was usually out hunting or fishing with my dad. I, I just wasn't a church person. I didn't even know what communion was. I saw him passing this and somebody was talking about blood and I'm like, I ain't drinking that. I mean, it was just kind of weird for me. But that's my background. I've seen the Ten Commandments. I know about the Bible from what I heard from my mom, but that just wasn't who I am. Uh, so that's kind of my background. What's your background? And I, you ain't got to tell me though. But that's what I, what, that's what we should do is you start out so you can kind of hear their background. Maybe they're super religious. Maybe they're not. Maybe they kind of come and go, hit and miss at church. That's important to know before you do the study. So again, what we're talking about today is not just read these scriptures this kind of way. No, no, no. I want to help you go a little deeper and make sure this is a relationship that we're connecting with people on. 
So first of all, if you know their background, it's kind of like profiling. If you know their background, then you know a lot of things you can do. For example, if Scott says he's religious, he was going to church since he was a little kid and his parents read the Bible all the time, first thing I know is that, okay, so obviously if he's read, read that doesn't mean it's true just because he said it, first of all. But in knowing Scott, okay, so Scott can read pretty well then. A lot of times we start to read with somebody and we'll say, hey, could you read this scripture? If they have a speech impediment or a hard time reading, you don't ask them to read anything. You read it or the other disciples read it. Because you don't want to, first off the bat, make somebody feel insecure with their reading. Now they're so concerned about how they sound, they didn't get anything out of the scripture that they read. So it's important for us to really make sure we're thinking about the other person and making it easy for them. If we're sitting in my house, I never sit where I am up above somebody when I'm studying the Bible with them. Like now, if I, I wouldn't sit like this with Scott because now I'm looking down at Scott and he's got to look up at me as we're talking. That makes that person feel a little weird. So I'll, I'll make sure I'm at eye level or I'll sit on the floor and let him look down at me. I mean, just take away all those things that can, that can cause them issues. Now I'm telling you this because... A lot of us, even back in the day coming up, we just went at it. Bam! We're just, we just dealing with people. And you're going to hell if you don't listen and all this. Okay, the scriptures are still true, but the heart behind how we study with people is what we got to deal with. And if you go at them like that and then you wonder why they don't call you back, they don't show up for the next study, because you already put them off. So I'm not saying water down the scriptures by no means, but already... You set it up for them to feel more comfortable, more at ease. They kind of know you because you know your background. You've already taught them about being open way before the sin study. We just shared about our backgrounds a little bit already. So all this stuff is leading us up to the rest of our studies. But I would share with Scott, you know, many times people have religious beliefs because of something they've heard time and time again or something their mom or dad shared with them so many times. And they may not even know if that's really in the Bible or not. And so it's important, what I want to do today is to show you what the Bible says and not just my opinion or what I feel or what I think. You know, Scott, think about it. What did Adam and Eve eat in the garden? An apple. They didn't eat an apple. It says fruit in the Bible. So it's just little simple things that, that we take for granted, but it's important that you know what the Bible says and not just what other people have told you time and time again. And so... Under where it says keys, um, be sure that other disciples read it. Don't make your friend feel insecure. If your friend does not have a Bible, then if, if me, Scott, and Maurice, Mark, he's in the study with me, I say, you know what, can you give him your Bible then? And then let the other disciple give him the Bible. If it's not like that, then I say, here, you take my Bible, I'm going to look on my phone. And I'm going to go over these things on my phone. But I want him to feel comfortable and not feel weird with the Bible. A lot of times, even if a person is religious, they still don't know where the books of the Bible are. They may say they're religious, but they don't know. And a lot of times, you have to give them little hints. You'll even hear when I'm preaching, as I'll say, you know, let's turn to the book of James. It's right after Hebrews. You find Hebrews, you'll see James. You know, sometimes people laugh, but I'm really giving those non-Christians hints to where things are. Like I may say, well, all the T's are together. You know, Timothy, Titus, Thessalonians. So if you find one of them, you know you're in the right area. You've got to give those little things so then it makes them feel, okay, okay, I can find it. 
Because a lot of people don't want to just look embarrassed and, oh, I, I can't find anything. I'm helpless. You got to help them out. It doesn't take but one little sentence, 10 seconds. Oh, it's right over here. Oh, it's right there. Now, you can't say that unless you know it. See how quiet they get in here now. You can't tell them where to go unless you know the books of the Bible, where they should go. Don't lead them astray. So it's just those kind of things as you're starting out that you just got to keep in mind. So again, tonight is not just about the scriptures. It's about, let me put all this stuff together so I can have a complete relationship with somebody as we're studying the Bible. I would open in prayer and be normal with your prayer. Don't have a quiet time prayer. Don't hold their hands having a prayer. You just met this dude talking about let's hold hands and pray. What? I'm done with this study right now. <laughs> we just got to think about those kind of things and don't try to be super spiritual. Oh, Father in heaven, Jesus, Lord, thank you for this. Let's just be normal, have a normal relationship in our studies. So, any questions about that so far before we start jumping into things? Is there something that maybe, uh, uh, well, if you have a question, why don't you write it down and we can come back to it later. Unless you got one. Did you just put your hand up? Okay. All right. I would just tell them, be sure you let people know what we're doing. I guess I should start with that. If I see Scott, Scott, I like to have a Bible study with you and just talk about what the Bible's all about. Don't surprise people. Hey, I'm getting together. Would you like to hang out? Yeah. Next thing you know, you get the Bible open. They're like, what are we doing? Make sure they know they're coming to a Bible study. And I have a friend. Mark is coming with us. Make sure they know. We don't need to trick people into anything. Just talk to them about it. Make sure it's clear. Make sure it's very open. Okay. And then we have a prayer. And then after that, I usually just start out with a simple question. How much of Bible, Scott, do you think, if any, is from God? What would you say? Uh, most of it. Okay. Okay. You, you, you never know what kind of answer you're going to get, to be honest. It could be all of it, it could be some of it, or it could be, I don't know. Well, that's fine. Let's turn over to Hebrews, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy 3.16. Now, again, if I know Scott, and I know that Scott can, can read very well, I say, well, you want to read, Scott, or you want me to do it? It doesn't matter. Really, it's up to you. He may say, uh, go ahead. Why don't you do it? Because he may be still looking for the scriptures. And I'll say, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and read it, Mark? Normally, I don't read very many of the scriptures as we go through unless it's a one-on-one -on -one study. Because I will let Mark read it, and I'll be looking at my notes, thinking about where I need to go as we're about to hit the next thing. So you don't, you, you should already know because you've already gone over this. But I would just say, okay, why don't you go ahead and read, bro, and then uh, we'll keep going. But look at verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training for righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I say, this is an incredible scripture, Scott. You look at it. According to verse 16, how much of the Bible really comes from God? It says all Scripture is God-breathed. It's as if it's right out of God's mouth, his breath. Now, if all the Bible is from God, what is the Bible useful for, Scott? The first thing it says is what? Look at what it says here in, uh, in verse 16. It's useful for what? What's the first thing, Scott? Teaching. Teaching. 
Now, how can the Bible be useful for teaching? I would just simply ask that question. Let them tell you. They may come up with a really good answer or it may be really crazy. Now, if it's a crazy, stupid answer, you don't say, that's a stupid answer, Scott. <laughs> you work with them. Help them. How's the Bible useful for teaching? Well, it, it, it makes sure you don't commit crimes in the world. Okay, you know, that is true because it can teach you how to live a correct life. But what he's saying, you know, it just, you just turn it, use it. So don't belittle people. Dumb answer. No, that's not good. But you help them. Right, it's useful for teaching us. How does the Bible teach us? It shows us the direction we need to go. It keeps us in line. Okay, what about rebuking? Do you know what a rebuke is, Scott? No. You know what? I didn't know either when I first started the Bible. But you've got to understand a rebuke is like, it's not that somebody doesn't like you. Say, for example, your child is about to run across the street. You're not going to say, hey, Jamal, don't go across the street. No, you're going to be like, hey, 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 get out of here. Come here, come here. And it's going to be alarming and scare them, but they're going to know, don't go that direction. That's what a rebuke is. It's a louder, firmer correction, but it's not something out of an anger or a hate towards the person. So the Bible will rebuke you. In other words, it's going to help you see exactly where you're messing up and be straightforward and smack you in the face. But it's not that God doesn't love you. He just doesn't want you to go out in the street and get hit and die. He wants to make sure you know what's going on. It also corrects us. It's kind of like teaching, but correcting, you may be on the right path, Scott, but it's just not all the way together. Well, God's going to correct you and make sure you are following the dotted lines the way you should. And then it says trains us. Now, how can the Bible train us? Well, the Bible can make sure we're doing what we're doing every day, teaching us the right way, and then holding us accountable to it. And that's important to realize because at the end of verse 17, why does the Bible rebuke us, teach us, correct us, and train us? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, God wants to equip you to do good in the world today. As evil and as wicked as the world is, God wants you to do good. Now, how can he help you do good? By the word of God. If you decide to live by this, this will correct you, train you, and equip you. In other words, you will be able to handle whatever God is throwing at you. If you're in this every day, it will train you the way you need to be. That way God is saying, listen, I want you to be an equipped man that you can do whatever that comes your way. Now, how do you feel about that, that God wants you to be equipped to handle the situations of the world? That's a good thing. But the question is, are you willing to read this every day so you can be equipped? Well, that's a good thing. Now, for every disciple here, here it is. If you're not reading your Bible every day, you are not equipped to do what God wants you to do. He wants you to be a good man. But unless you're reading and letting it correct you and train you every day, you're not a good man in God's eyes. Because he let his son die for you, and all he asks is to read this every day. How, much, how difficult could that be compared to watching his son get crucified the way he did. There is absolutely no reason that each of us should not be in this every day. We got so much technology, you can listen to it on the phone, you can listen on CD. You, I mean, really, we have no excuse to not be in the Word of God every day. Think of how many times you look at some app or some Facebook, some chat, something. Have you been in the Word of God yet? 
You know, I love going to the gym. I do that as much as I can, but I've made a commitment that I am never going to the gym until I've had my time with God first. So if I ever say I went and worked out today, you know I had my time with God first before that happened. That's just a, a, a must in life. And so it's important that if there's things that you like to do, you wake up and you've got to have your morning coffee, then make a decision. I'm not going to drink coffee until I have my time with God first. So you've got to call yourself to another standard. You cannot let reading your Bible be something that maybe or maybe not happens. You've got to make some decisions on this. And until you make some decisions, you're not going to be an equipped man. God said, you can't read your Bible. God, as I said, Marie's saying this, you may need to turn in your man card. Are you man enough to make some decisions to deny yourself every day and read the Word of God? Now, back to the study. I just had to throw something in there every time. So let's talk about this first. We're going to go through everything. So we just got this first scripture done. After all I talked about, is there any kind of question or is there any, anything you guys are seeing here that, that, that can help or not help? I, I just want to take a moment before I just keep running through things. Because I can go through it all and you can have so many questions. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page as we go. So is there any question or any comment so far about what we're looking at? Only dumb question is one you don't ask. Yes, sir. Doesn't have a Bible. So if I give, oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, I give Scott my Bible at the end of the study. Scott, I want my Bible back. I'm gonna get you a Bible for our next study. So I'm going to give you a personal gift, and I will get him a Bible. It doesn't have to be this big, huge $50 Bible. Just get him a Bible, and I'll write some inscription on it from me to him. Just let him know, and say, this is a gift to you and your journey with God, Scott. And let it roll. You know the first principle studies are on their phone, the first principle app? If you go there, you can look at it. It's not going to be as in-depth as what I just gave you here, but all those are on your phone. So if you just download first principles and just touch it, all of them, word, cybership, kingdom, all that stuff is all we got. Um, but if you got an iPhone, I don't know if you got one of the rotary phones, you got the. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, we're going to use these studies that I'm about to go through with everybody here. And then when we're done, we're going to make a little booklet with all these studies in it, and just everybody can have a booklet of all the studies. So. I don't want us doing all these studies from all across the country. The studies they do with people in California work great with people in California. But people in New York are different than people in California. It's not going to work the same. Hey, guys, just think about this. All those analogies. If Jesus was surfing on the waves, what do you think? What? It's not going to work here. So it's important that we use what fits where we are living and reaching out to. Yes, sir. Oral. Right. Yeah, I cover that. What I do is uh, 
I'm just, I, like I would say, Scott, when we're done, I'm going to give you these notes. So the actual notes that I use studying with Scott, I just give them to him when we're all done. So somebody else don't even need to take notes. They need to be more involved in this discussion than just sitting there taking notes. Because so many times we can have some professional note takers in the kingdom, and that's all they ever do is take notes and never lay anybody to the kingdom. And so I'll just, whatever my notes are, this is for you. So I just have a copy of them ready to give them. Yeah. Okay, a couple more, then we're going to move on. Mr. Ernie. So you stare at somebody and they got King James or American Living Version or, or yeah, Jehovah Witness. It could be anything. I let them read it in their Bible, but then I tell them what I want to show them. So say if he read, you know, uh, all scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching in his own Bible. I say, that's exactly right. And then I come back and read it right after him in my Bible. And then we're going to talk about it in my Bible, though. But I'll let him read it in his Bible so he feels comfortable. But we're going to lead the study through my Bible as I, as I say it back to him. You understand what I'm saying? So I wouldn't say, boy, that's a jacked up Bible. I wouldn't use that, Scott. It's going to lead you to hell, man. No, i just go ahead and hey. I, and I like this, Scott, because it's easier to read because I need something easy. I don't want to have to look it at Thawit before my scripture is. I want to make sure it's just something that's very simple and easy for me to get. So one more, then we're going to move on. Yes, sir. understand exactly what you're saying. What I would do is just like what I did there, how you were talking, and I, and I just start talking and I took over the conversation. You lead the study. Even though you're going to find some people that talk a lot, and they're going to want to keep talking and kind of prove their side. You know, I say, you know what, Scott? I hear exactly what you're saying. We can talk about that after the study, when we're just having some, some fellowship time together, but I want to keep us focused here because, you know, it's a lot of things going on, and I just want to keep us moving. you got to remember, you're leading the study. You don't let them, and especially you don't let that other brother who wants to all of a sudden become an evangelist start preaching during your Bible study. You got to cut that brother off too. Hey, bro, whoa, 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 whoa. You can save that for another D time or something or when you guys have a quiet time together. But I, I want to keep us on track here. And you just got to say that. And honestly, it, it's not being rude. They will respect you more later because now you're respecting their time also. If you say we're going to study for an hour, you need to study for an hour. You don't need to have those two and a half hour studies. Only study that may go for an hour is light and darkness. Or sin, repentance. We'll get all that stuff done. But it is, you do not need to have long, drawn out studies. Even all these scriptures here, I may sit down with somebody and I may not hit every single one of these scriptures. Because as we're talking and they may be opening up about something, I may get five out of the nine scriptures done, for example. You know what? Then you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to catch up those other scriptures later. But I said an hour, we're going to be an hour. And this is where you have your, your time or coffee or prayer later on. When we pray tomorrow, Scott, I'm going to finish up the studies with us. So how about we do that? But listen, brothers, please do not have those super long marathon studies. I've seen some people, 
they go off and study. We had church service, and I'm like, did you do all of them? Is he ready to get baptized? You did everything? Oh, we just looked at half the word. Half of the whole Bible word? Or what is that? I mean, so, okay, let me move on. All right, so after that, you always got to go into it. So I just said, are you willing to read your Bible every day, Scott? Yes, I am. Okay, well, let me show you something about the Bible that's very interesting. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, a key thing is that you've got to kind of lead into the next scriptures as you do it. So I'm not just going to say, okay, now let's turn over this one. Well, make it a little more interesting. <laughs> like, the Bible is interesting. Let's not just be robotic about it. But let me show you something really interesting about the Bible that you may not have realized that it does to you whenever you do read it. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Scott, this is an incredible scripture. Let me ask you this. In verse 14 it says, the word of God is living and active. How is the Bible living and active today? How do you think? Well, look at it. Even now, it's active because we're looking at it, we're reading it. It's alive through our lives. So if I read it and I live it out, now the Bible has come to life through us, through me. So the Bible is alive and active through us. That's why you need to read it every day. If you don't read it every day and it's sitting at your house, the Bible is dead and you're dead. It's not alive and active. That's why it's so important that we read every single day. Now it says it's sharper than a what? Double-edged sword. You ever see those uh, movies like Gladiator or some of those movies with those, they just like King Arthur? With, with those swords, you can cut on both sides. Both sides are sharp. It's not like a, a knife with just one side. The Bible can cut you in many different directions. Now, as it cuts you, it, when you get cut, it doesn't feel good to get cut. But yet, when the Bible cuts you, it gets rid of all that gook. It gets rid of all that bad stuff, and it helps you to be a better person. So it may not feel good at the moment, but its purpose is very good for us to have this. It's kind of like when I go to the dentist. That's great. Exactly. You don't like going to the dentist, but you know you got to get that tooth yanked out sooner or later. I'm sorry, teeth. I said tooth. Now, let me ask you this, Scott. What does the Bible judge? It says right here. It judges the what? The thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Think about this, Scott. What are your thoughts and attitudes? That's your feelings. The Bible judges your feelings. So you may not say something to somebody, but you feel something. God is judging that feeling that you have right there. That thought that you didn't say, but you thought it, God is judging. It's like you're walking around with a big plasma TV on top of your head, and God is looking at everything you're thinking and feeling. That changes everything. So when you see that girl walking down the street, even though you don't say nothing to her, God is judging what you're thinking and what you're feeling at that moment. That's what the Bible does to you. It doesn't just judge you, you're a good person, bad person. Oh, it judges your feelings also. Whether or not you even are really into it or whether you're just faking it and being a pretender. It is so important for us to understand that because it says here, that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. 
Even what you do in your closet at home, your shower at home, your bedroom, your basement, your garage, God knows and sees it all. There's no place you can hide from God. And that's why it's so important that we read the Bible and we live it out. Because this right here is going to judge our thoughts and our attitudes. Now, here's the question for you, Scott, as we start to read. We've only looked at two scriptures so far. You want to make the Bible what you read every day, the standard? But now, are you willing to go off the Bible instead of your feelings? Because your feelings are going to be judged. It's, it's hard, but I'll tell you what. If you just do this for three weeks straight, read the Bible, come to church, it's going to be a lot easier than you think. If you try to do it on your own, it's going to be extremely hard. But if you do it with God, plus I'm here, Mark's here, we got your back, you can make this thing happen. Look how jacked up we are, and we here. You easily can make it. Look over in Second uh, Peter chapter 2. In chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. Now here's, here's an interesting scripture here, because this is something that I've always thought about. Did God write the Bible? I mean, I know when I watched the Ten Commandments, he wrote it on those commandments. But did, how did he write all of this stuff? Well, this will answer that question. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. says, Now we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. Until the dawns of the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture had, came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now here's the first thing I want you to see, Scott, in verse 19. It talks about the Bible. It says, we will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. You know, you're at home at night, and you've got to use the bathroom. You know, that happens. You get a little older. You've got to get up at night use the bathroom. And it's really dark. You're kind of like looking around. It's kind of like weird. You're looking for some kind of light so you can see where you're going. That's how the Bible needs to be for us. This is a dark world, but this is that light that we need to be looking for, searching for, so it can lead us where we need to go. Now, it says that's important, but here again, it says above all else. So even above that, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture, I'm in verse 20, came about by the prophet's own interpretation. So in other words, the people that wrote the Bible, Paul, Luke, Matthew, Mark, those guys, they didn't say, hmm, I think this is what God wants me to say. So let me write this down. They didn't do that. Because you know, if we have a bad day, we're going to write in a bad way with a little attitude behind it. But that's not how they wrote. It says they did all this because they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So even now, as, as uh, Corey is writing on that paper with a pen, the pen is writing, but it's his thoughts that's being written. So man wrote it, but it's God's thoughts that was being written down through the Holy Spirit. It's the same way. So did God write the Bible? Yes, but he used men to be like his pen. But God's Holy Spirit was the one that was guiding them and instructing them on what they should write. So it wasn't just their feelings and this is what I think God means. God knows what he meant. If he can create the whole universe, he can write one book. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's too hard for him to write one book uh, compared to that. Yes, sir. He 
He said, what about all the other religious books that people say came from God? You know what? That's a, that's a very good question. In one of our studies, we're going to talk about different religions and how they came to be. Who started those religions? That's the study we do. It's called the church study. And that one right there is going to knock you off your feet. Trust me. But I don't want to give you too much right now. I just want to just stick with the Bible. Let's see this. And then we're going to move along step by step by step. That's how you cut them off and get to the point. Look over at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, if you thought that one was good, we're about to get even deeper on this one here. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Now, again, by this time, either Scott is really hyped up and he wants to read, or he doesn't. But, I, you know, if he says, hey, I'll read this one, cool. But if he doesn't, then I'm just going to keep going. Uh, or I'm going to let the brother keep going. John 8, 31. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold in my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let me ask you this, Scott, in verse 31, who is Jesus talking to here? Right. The third word, exactly. The Jews who have believed in him. Now, it's hot in the desert. Here's Jesus. He's out walking in the desert. He's sweating, and you're following him. Hot, thirsty, haven't eaten, but you are determined. I'm going to follow this Jesus man. And all of a sudden, he turns around and says, you ain't even really my disciple. How's that going to make you feel? You just don't follow him for hours in the desert, starving and thirsty, but yet he says, you're not my disciple. So there's something there that he's telling us. Just because they believed in him didn't make them right with him. A lot of people believe certain things. The Bible even says that even the demons believe in Jesus. But see, that doesn't make them right with God. So this right here, you've got to understand, just because a person may feel something or believe something, it doesn't mean it's naturally right. I love Chinese food, but it doesn't make me Chinese just because I eat it all the time. It is important. You, you, you don't just feel something. And so what he told him here, he says, you got to make it fun when you study the Bible, guys. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciple. Now, the word hold here means death grip. So if you picture yourself, if you were falling off a cliff, and then you were able to grab hold of one little branch that was sticking out, and there's a 150-foot drop right down, nothing but rocks, how would you hold on to that branch? Like this, the one little finger? I mean, what would you do? You like bite it, you grab it, put your foot over it. You have a death grip. I mean, you would not let that go. And that's what this is saying. That's how we need to hold on to the Word of God, like a death grip, because your life depends on it. And these people believed, but they weren't holding to what he was saying. They could even quote stuff, but they weren't holding. There's so many people that know parts of the Bible, but don't live it. It's amazing. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to say, you're not even really my disciple. And so it's important that we hold to the scriptures. Why? Well, once we hold to them, it says, then you're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. You won't know the truth until you start living this up. That's why I say, if you do this for three weeks, Scott, you're going to start seeing different things change in your life. You've got to realize, even, this is even how they catch monkeys in the jungle, Scott. They have a bamboo pole, they put bananas inside. Monkey comes along, stick his hand in there, and they come up, and they just start grabbing a whole bamboo thing with them. 
Well, the monkey just let the bananas go. He can be free. But his hand is too big while he has the bananas, and he can't get out the cage. So now he's just running along like this, and they trap him without shooting him or tranquilizing him because he won't just let go of it. And that's sometimes how we are with certain sins. We won't just let go of it and be set free. And instead, Satan is just dragging us all along, wherever we want to go, to this bar, to this relationship, to this uh, impurity, to this. He's just dragging us along. Scott, we've got to hold to this like a death grip. And all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing things. You're going to be like, man, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. Because now you're going to start to understand the truth, and you're going to be set free. It's important. This is a good thing. How you feeling so far, Scott? You start dropping stuff from people. You got to check in with them every once in a while. Okay. A person keeps telling you it sounds hard. That's telling you a little bit about kind of where they're at. And so now that tells me I got to give him more encouragement. I got to give him more encouragement. I got to instill faith in him now. So it's not just let me just keep going to scriptures. You got to listen to what people are saying, and you got to. You've got to be able to give whatever's needed at that time. All these scriptures can be encouraging. It's just a matter of how you're talking about these things. So, well, let me ask you this, Scott. What would you say is more important, the way you live or whatever you believe, like your doctrine? Is it more important that, to, to know the Bible or to live the right life? Which one, if any, would you say is the most important? The way you live. Okay. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's a good answer. I want to show you what the Bible says here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. I will usually wait, but for time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So the Bible says to watch your life and your doctrine. That's what you believe. That's what you're, you're following, your standard. And we're saying this is going to be our standard now. So watch your life and your doctrine. Because both of them have the same amount of weight in God's eyes. So in other words, I may know all of this, but if I'm not living it, it's useless. Or I may be living a great life, but I have no clue what the Bible is saying. It's useless. You know, you decide you're going to Florida... You want to lay out on a beach, you get your airplane ticket, you walk out there in the landing strip, and that plane got one wing. Are you going to get on that plane with just one wing? No, you know that baby's going down. It ain't even going up, actually. It's just going down. Because you want both wings on that plane so you can fly and be safe. You can't just have one. You've got to have both, the life and the doctrine. See, I can't be up talking about, hey, you need to come to church and read the Bible, and then next Saturday you see me coming out the club. Are you really going to listen to me anymore? And I was going to be like, what's wrong with this fool? Look at that. He's so fake. I mean, there's no way. So it's important for me, now that I started studying with you, it's important that I make sure that I'm living the right life. And Scott, this is one reason why some people don't study the Bible people, because they know they're not living right. And so they don't want to call somebody else to something they're not doing. So then they don't even study with people. But see, those are fake Christians. They ain't going to make it to heaven. Even though their main name on a membership, they ain't making it. So I want you to make it. 
But this is the thing about God. He, he, again, he wants to fully equip us. See, this may be challenging for you right now, Scott, but God is saying, if you read this every day, I'm going to give you everything you need to make it. You're not even going to have to wonder if you can make it. You're not going to have to wonder if I can overcome these things. He says, I will equip you for every good work. So whether you feel like it or not, the Bible says he's going to equip you. And you said you're not going to go by your feelings no more. So if God said he's going to equip you, then you've got to believe God. Because that was one of the scriptures we looked at, the second one. Remember that? It says he judges your thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Yeah, remember that one? So now he's saying, I'm going to equip you. You just got to trust him now. Now think about that. The creator of the universe says, you my man. What you think about that? I just don't well, that's all right, because I'm going to give you these notes, and you're going to go back and look it over, and then you can just see for yourself. That second scripture we looked at, that's what it says right there. You good with that? All right. Y'all see how you work all these things there? You keep flowing them? It's more than just giving scriptures. It's how you're talking and relating to the person. When all this is done, he should be convicted, but encouraged and closer to me and the other brother that studied. Um. Okay, Mark chapter 7. We're not going to read all that one. But that just talks about the traditions. Uh, uh, well, okay. All right, we got time. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. I may not read it all. Read it, though. It's good. Okay, it's talking about clean and unclean, and it goes all the way down, yeah, all right, all the way down to verse 13, but it says, uh, let's look at verse 9, and he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. But Moses says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, uh, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift devoted to God then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. What he's talking to them about here is that they follow more traditions than God, Scott. And so what they did is that they would take care of their, their parents, which is what we should do when you get to, they get to an age. But what the people started doing is they said, you know what, I don't want to take care of my mom and dad anymore. I'm tired of this. So I'm going to give enough money to the temple that now the responsibility is on somebody else. So I'm going to give this large sum of money. This is what he's saying. You call it Corbin. Large sum of money, and now I don't have a responsibility of my mother and father. I know I should honor them, but this is where I'm going to honor them. Give money to the temple. Somebody else deal with the problem. And he says that right there is not a godly thing to do. And sometimes we, we get caught up in doing traditional things and not even know why we're doing what we're doing. But we do it because somebody told us this or this is what we heard or we saw for so long. You know, there was a story of a lady that at Thanksgiving time, uh, her daughter watched her as she was cooking Thanksgiving dinner. So she brought the ham in, cut the ends of the ham off, and put it in the oven. And she said, Mom, why do you do that? She said, I don't know. That's what my mom always did. She said, well, Grandma's in the living room. Let's go ask her. Okay. So he went in the living room. Grandma, why do you cut the ends of the ham off and put it in the oven like that? He said, well, back when I was growing up, my oven was so small, it wouldn't fit in there. So we had to cut the ends off just to get it in there. So all this time, this mother was just following what her mother did, wasting good meat, 
without even thinking or asking why are you cutting the ends of these hams off. Sometimes we can just follow what somebody does, not even knowing why, and we just think that's the right thing to do. Traditions are not what God does. Actually, Jesus made a point to break about every tradition he came across if it wasn't in line with God. Um, so, a couple more scriptures, we're going to be done. So let me ask you this, Scott. What or who is going to judge you on the last day? Everything's done. Jesus is coming back. Clouds part. Horns blown. Jesus is coming. What or who is going to be your judge? God? God's word? Jesus? Jesus judge you? Okay. What if I showed you something in the Bible that said Jesus is not going to judge you? That God is not going to judge you? Would you go off of the Bible, or are you still, no, God's going to judge me? What do you think? You said you ain't going off your feelings no more. Remember that? Yeah. Let me just show you there. Look over in John chapter 12, verse 47. John 12, verse 47 and 48. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them. I do not judge him. See, in my Bible, that's red. Jesus is saying, I do not judge him. Hmm. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. So Jesus is not going to judge us. Wow, that's kind of deep, huh? There is a judge, verse 48, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. So Scott, Jesus said he's not going to judge us. He came to save us. He ain't going to judge us. He doesn't say anything about God. God's not judging us. But it does say there's going to be something that will condemn you at the last day. What is it that will condemn us at the last day? The very words he spoke. Let me ask you this. If you want to see what, where did Jesus' words, where are they? What, if I want to Read his words. What would I look? Sports Illustrated, GQ. What would I look at? In the Bible. So if his words is going to judge me, the Bible is going to judge me. So on that last day, it's going to be you and the Bible. Not your good-looking preacher. Not anybody else. Just you and the Bible. And it's going to be, does your life match this? If your life doesn't, it's all over for you, dude. Now, here's the thing. Imagine you're in college, and your teacher says, you know what? I'm, you don't even have to come to class. You're going to have one test, ten questions, and I'm going to give you all the answers. All you got to do is study it, and I'm not going to tell you when the test is, but just study this. If you get 100%, you get an A. If you miss one, you fail the whole test. Because I'm giving you the answers to the questions, the questions and the answers. And so you take this paper, and then you like you know what, I'm going to study on this Friday. I, I, honestly, honestly, you are really planning on studying Friday. No doubt at all. Seriously. But then he calls you in Thursday and says, you need to take the test right now. And you're sitting there, and you really was going to study Friday. And so you're begging him, you're crying, you're pleading. I was really going to do this. I'm not lying. What do you think that professor is going to say to you? You think he's going to let your tears affect him? Nope. I gave you all the answers. 
gave you the questions and the answers, gave you time, and you still didn't do it. You put it off. This is exactly how it's going to be with God. I gave you all the answers to live the right life. I gave you time to figure this out. Gave you questions. Gave you people. Gave you sermons. Gave you everything you need. So all your tears is not going to affect God on that last day. Because he already gave you all the answers. You just chose not to do it. That's why this is going to be your judge. So, this is why we need to read it every day. We need to not go off our feelings, but go off of this. We need to hold to it with a death grip. We need to not just believe, but we need to follow what he's saying. Don't follow traditions. Follow him. We need to make sure that this is what I'm going to live my life by. How do you feel about that, Scott? Well, it sounds hard, but try. All you can do is try. But you know what? God has said, I've given you all the answers. It's not really even a hard try. It's not a hard test. He's given you the answers to the test. And so this is, this, but here's the attitude I want you to have about it, Scott. Look in Acts chapter 17. It's right after the book of John, so just turn over one more book. Acts 17. In verse 10. So as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were a more noble character than the Thessalonians, but they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now here's something right here, Scott. It says the Bereans were considered more noble by God. Why? Do you remember what they did that made them more noble? To examine the scriptures every day to make sure what they were being taught was the truth. That made them noble in God's eyes. They didn't just hear something, okay, that's it. They went back and they studied it. And that's why I'm going to give you this paper that we're looking at here today. Everything we just talked about is on this paper. Because you need to go back and study it and examine it. This is for your eternal salvation. So I want you to look at it. Because God wants you to look at it. And that's what this is about. Now, if you do that, and then we get together for these next three weeks, just, just do it. Once a week, we can get together. If you want more, we can do more. But I want to show you something else. And, that's, and this is in Acts chapter 11. I want to show you the next thing I want to study with you, because this is something that I never knew or heard of in my life until I studied with these guys. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Verse 25, Acts chapter 11. It says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met, the, met with the church and taught a great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. You know what this says here? Is that there were some disciples, and then when they went to this city of Antioch, they started being called Christians because they saw how their life was, and they reflected Christ, Jesus Christ, so much, they gave them the nickname Christians. You know, when I first sat down with these guys, I didn't have a clue of what a disciple was. I didn't know what a disciple was. And they taught me what a disciple was, how you become one, and how you live after you become one. And that's what I want to study with you next. I don't know if you know what a disciple is or not. doesn't matter. But I'm going to show you what the Bible says a disciple is. Because that's one month, someone who reflects Christ. So this was a first good study. Is it help you read the Bible every day? Look over the notes. But the next one, we're going to take it to another level and talk about discipleship and figure out what that really is.
And you do that to get their interest going, help their flow. I usually end the last study with the first scripture of the next study so that they can see where I'm going and get a little juiced up and excited about that next study. That's an important thing to do. So that's pretty much going through everything. I, I do want to ask if you have any questions or something. We still got some time uh, to talk about it. Anything that I say it in here or you want me to clarify even more? Um, if you are, came in a little bit later, I'm going to have handouts for us that don't have the purpose, beginning, share, key, just has the scriptures and questions. That way, that's what you will use to study with people, and you can give it to them when you're done. Uh, so this one is for you to look at, to go over, whatever, mark on. But I will give you one that you actually use with people so you can even give it to them when you're all done. But any questions about anything we looked at here? Yes, sir. So after this study with Scott, I'm going to say, Scott, you know what? We're going to be talking to you. Let's exchange numbers because we want to make sure that you, we, we can pray with you. We want to read with you. We want to make sure things are going well. I would actually help them out that first week. So the next day, I'd have the other brother call them. You know what? We can pray in the morning. We can read before you go to work. The next day, I would do it. So here's the thing. Sometimes we assume people know how to even have quiet times. We just say have a quiet time every day. Did you really know how to have a quiet time before you start? We can't assume that. We can't assume people even know how to pray. We got to train them. And this is where we make mistakes. It says you, you got to make disciples of all nations. Sometimes we don't make disciples. We make religious people or we make weak Christians because we don't take the time to teach them how to read the Bible or how to even pray. So I'll talk to Scott the next day. Scott, we're going to read... Uh, the first paragraph of, of Matthew. Not the whole chapter. We're just going to read the first paragraph. So we'll read the first paragraph. You know, we'll give you a subtitle, whatever. And then I'll say, now Scott, let's just think about this for a moment. First of all, picture the situation. I always tell me, picture that. And I'll let him describe what, what does it look like to him. Okay, what was Jesus doing during this time? You just start thinking up questions from whatever you just read. Now you're teaching him. That's how you have a quiet time. You read something, but then you just got to ask yourself some questions about what you just read, which makes you think more on it and makes you feel like you're actually there and it'll stick with you more. So my answer to that is I think that's our job to keep reading with them, especially when they first start, and praying with them to make sure they even know how to do it. That's just an important thing to do, guys. Yes, sir. Mr. Ernie? Good question. Before my study, I'm going to talk and to Corey and Mark. I'm going to say, when we get in the study, I'm leaving the study. <laughs> I know you got a lot of time and wisdom, but you don't run off on it. I like for you to read the scriptures. And I will, I, like now, I didn't for time's sake, but I may ask them a certain thing. They're going to have the same set of notes I'm going to have. And so I may say, Corey, why don't you do the next scripture? So he needs to read it and ask the questions. 
the next scripture. Y'all see that when I start sending these studies with you. It's a group effort, but if they start getting long-winded, you got to shut them down. You got you to make it clear. So before going in, here's the game plan. Y'all going to do all the reading. I may ask you to do a scripture here or there. Uh, but the main thing I want y'all to do is to develop a great friendship with him outside of these Bible studies. That's a major, major thing. The person leading can't be the best friend that everybody they study with. That's what these other brothers are here to do as well. So everybody can connect. Because then they have the the only person they know is the preacher really close. That ain't going to happen. I don't went through that in a bad way. Everybody ain't going to be following me like the Pied Piper. We need to make sure we're following Jesus and all of us have relationships with that brother and not just me. Yes, sir. This first study, he asked me, why didn't I talk more about my personal life in the study and give life examples? This first study, I want to make sure I know him and I'm connecting with him. What you just said needs to happen after this study, mainly with one of these two brothers as they take him out or take him home, talking about those things and how it affected them. So I may be the one in the study talking, but then they will be the ones behind the scenes talking. And then the next one, if Corey leads the next one, and I'm giving a ride home. Now, I'm going to share some stuff with them. So a lot of that is where we use a lot of our time. And I think there's a time for that, but not the first study, not the word study. That's where you got to make sure they want this conviction and they want it and they want to keep studying. But those relationship building times, guys, we got to have a fun time, a prayer time, a reading time with them in between the studies. We can't just make people a project. Well, they're just study, study, study. No, they're human beings. We've got to win them over to the Lord. Relationships is what we're building here. Does that answer your question? Okay. James, and then we'll have one more, and then we'll wrap it up by the hour. Yes, sir. He asked me, how much do I push if they're not making much of an effort? Uh, well, it's, it's really hard for them not to make an effort the first week if all of us are having times with him because he's going to be reading the stuff. And then if he just doesn't want to show up for the next study, then at that point, I leave it in their court. Okay, Scott, you know, we're here for you. But whenever you want, you let me know, and then we'll continue the next study. Don't give your pearls to the swine. There are millions of people in this city. You can't sit in harbor and hope that one person just comes up. I will always have a door open for him, but there are a whole lot of other people I need to help not go to hell, and I can't just be putting all my eggs in one basket. So it's not to be mean, but Jesus didn't do that. He didn't just sit there and focus on one person. He said, I'm going to another city because I got people to save over there. So I'd be there for him, all three of us, and I'll make sure he knows that. But if he just doesn't want to show up for the next study, don't have an excuse, I'm moving on. So, again... That's where we can't let our feelings and emotions go in there. Oh, you're hurt. No, I'm not. <laughs> he knows where to come. He'll roll with it. Uh, Sean? Uh, I'll just go to that though. You said you're still a friendship with 
One key thing I didn't talk about is you want to try to set up your environment for your study to be good. I went out study with them in the middle of the mall or in the middle of the playground or something like that where there's a lot of noise and this and that. You got to also think about it. If you're studying in your house, you want to make your house have light, like open the curtains. You don't want it to be the back cave that you're trying to study in. And you, you want to make it a place that's, that's able to just be you, to be real. For what it is. So, uh, you have your hand up? He asked me, what if they're interested in that relationship with you, but not so much in studying the Bible and coming to, to Christ? then I just invite them to every church service that we have, and they can come to church with me. Now that's my church friend. That's about as far as we go. You know, hey, bro, can we eat after church? Did you cook something? But I ain't treating or doing everything else if you don't want God. You just want to tag along with the food and fun. This ain't McDonald's, food, folks, and fun. You got to make sure, okay, you want it. Hey, I'll pick you up, take you to church, but I'm going to drop you off at home. We're going to do whatever. So, yes, sir, then we're going to close that situation like that, whoever met them, let them keep that uh, relationship going. But all of us don't have to keep trying to do this, this, and that. You know, if Corey met him, yeah, Corey, call him up. Make sure you invite him to everything we do. Singles, Evo, campus, wherever he is, invite him. So that way, maybe one day when he hit rock bottom, he's already there and he knows where to go. But if he doesn't, he doesn't. But we all can't invest that time with that. So, all right, if you guys have more questions, I'm going to hang around for a while. Uh, but I don't want to keep you all night. I want to respect your time as well. Thank you for coming out. Next Wednesday is the women. The one after that is the men. Amen.